Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language. Because we learned it from you, Dad. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Friday the 13th edition. Today, we're ranking sequels two through six. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man ready to block my puck, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hello, Tom. I only want your fingers. <laughs> Which one's that in? That's Friday the 13th part 2. And okay. it's I, I like how the film has both double entendres and copious amounts of sex and nudity. Normally <laughs> one or the other suffices. <laughs> well, we've already talked about how much I like boobs. This series has plenty of them. Only on the Patreon. That's true. Yeah, you, you have to that. you have to pay for that kind of insight. You got to pay for that sort of malarkey. <laughs> I guess that is that's sort of like how the porn industry works as well. You know, all the kind of blacked out porn channels. Yeah, it's the same deal. You need you need a subscription to get uh, to get that level of commentary. Malarkey. I'm Joe Biden level of old right now. <laughs> I assumed you were talking about uh, San Diego chef Brian Malarkey. But, yeah. <laughs> well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It's September, but we got plenty to do with the Friday the 13th series. We so certainly do. We're starting early, and uh, <laughs> I think I think the two of us are chomping at the bit. Yeah, I mean, we, we spent the last two years covering um, the Halloween franchise, it feels like we just finished it, by the way. I know, I know. It, it It's remarkable, isn't it? And Yeah. You know, I consider this to be in one of the big three horror franchises, um, uh-huh. along with Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but it's a very different proposition to, to both of those. Right. It's, it, it, it's because Halloween is, no, is notable for having a number of very strong sequels Mm -hmm. but the original was always the gold standard really for all horror films yeah not just within its own series right yeah exactly um but it was always the gold standard and um the template for the series as it spanned out Mm mm-hmm um, but <laughs> not so with Friday the Thirteenth, right? Because not only not only is there room for improvement, the iconography and mythology of the series um, is created in and by the sequels. Yeah, right. I, it's really interesting. I I I, I started watching uh, or rewatching, I suppose, Crystal Lake Memories, which is the a six-hour documentary about the Friday the 13th franchise. Such good stuff. Yeah, and I, I watched the requisite parts, that, you know, going up to the end of um, part six. And uh, Tom McLaughlin in, in the documentary talks about taking the role as writer-director for part six, 
going to a screening room where he watched all the Friday the 13th movies up to that point back to back. Mm -hmm. And he said what he thought he could bring to the table after all these years was um, some ground rules about what Jason was, what his powers were, how you defeat him. (laughs) This is part six. Yeah. And we're only just starting to firm up these conventions. I also might add that that (laughs) that. What he does add is 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 basically covered by watching a, a legacy character pull out an occult book for about thirty seconds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and then that's how we get to know uh, how we could finally get rid of Jason. But 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 at least they specify it. Yeah, you know, they like do. up yeah. until up until that point. I mean, they and also in the documentary they talk about how on a couple of these films the word zombie was taboo. They 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 right yeah. They they were leaning into the supernatural, but they didn't want to go full zombie with Jason until Tom McLaughlin came in and said, "Guys, it's you know, it's been six movies. Got, we, gotta we make need, a choice somewhere. We gotta make a choice, and he does. <laughs> you know, he makes a. He, well, he I does think make I was. Choice. I think I was telling you off air. We were both kind of relishing talking about this series. Yeah. And I had been <laughs> I had been talking to friend of the show, Matthew Aldrich, because we, mm-hmm. of course, covered one of these sequels for uh, the, you know, Project 1982. And, and yeah. during that that series, he, he said, you know, he, he has no reference. He had seen no Friday the 13th films and probably to mm-hmm. this day. Part three is the only movie he's seen, and his question was: I guarantee what is, it. What What is Jason? Who? What is this thing? I don't understand the rules. And I said, "It's fine." You know, the movies don't understand the rules either. No. So no, we're good. By, by by part three, we're still in the dark about what Jason is, was, or will be. And speaking to your point <laughs> earlier about the iconography and this. You know what's going on with these films. It's not until number three that he gets his mask. Yeah, that's probably the most iconic mask in all of horror films, and he doesn't get it till part three. That's fantastic. I know it's it's and and it's in terms of the if you're watching the sequels back to back as we do, the hockey mask is Plan B. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> plan A is a pillowcase. <laughs> With one eye hole, uh, but it's it, it's it was it was amusing to me watching these movies back to back. First of all, how quickly they realized the pillowcase wasn't going to work. Like it's off his head within minutes yeah. of putting it on. I think and also, in the Crystal Lake memories, or maybe some of the DVD extras, the I I'd, I'd have to look back. I think it's uh, Warrington Glett. Is his name that plays Jason in that well, movie? There's some controversy about that, there, which we'll there get is. to. There is. Yeah, you're right. He's listed <laughs> let's, on the let's credits. Not, you know, but let, there's let's... a large man that says, hey, I should be taking credit. Right. Let's let's but not uh, pin we'll our flags to the mask quite so early as to, but, wh- as to who plays Jason in that movie. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical that uh, one of those two actors at one point yeah. And pointed out that nobody had even thought about what you're saying about how difficult yeah. it would be to wear the mask, and I can't believe it wasn't their first idea to tape it to his forehead so he could actually see through it because there was one eye yeah. hole, but he, because you're running around, you could never see through it. Guys, fucking falling down all over the place. They they really, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's kind of this is the way that these. 
that these movies go. This is how they function. They're they're, they're mostly experiments. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I I feel like everything is under construction, under development, and that's fine. I don't mind that at all. But <laughs> this, like, I don't know, I don't know whose bright idea it was to start with the pillowcase because it's so interesting that once they realize the hockey mask could work. It becomes like a, you know, it becomes like the crown jewels. You know, they treat it with this kind yeah, of reverence. Right. Well, even, I think... even after having it, having only worn it for the space of about a film and a half, it it, it is the iconography of Jason already. Yeah, right. I think part of the, the, the bag came from, have you seen The Town That Dreaded Sundown? Yes. Because that's yeah. a rather famous low-budget horror movie. It, and it's of course, also, it's yeah. a similar, you know, it's almost exactly the same, except at least the the, the serial killer in the town that dreaded sundown managed to uh, have two eye holes. I still don't get the one eye hole. <laughs> well, two things about that. F- first of all, I have some theories about why, why they went to the pillowcase um, that I'll share when we talk about part two. All right. But... I'm also struck, and I don't mean this in any way as a criticism, I do consider this as one of the big three, the oligopoly of, ho- of horror sure. franchises. absolutely. But looking at the other two in that oligopoly, it's very clear that this is by far the least original premise. Yes. I mean, the, you know, the, the original movie was, by the producer's own admission a cash in on the slasher craze and every subsequent quickle is them trying to cash in on their own success right yeah again Just, and well, again and again well you and they see... have to they have to reach out to other horror franchises in order to do that to kind of fill the gap you can also see it by year of release because these are mm-hmm. coming out in fast succession you it's know, inc- that's incredible. 80, 81, incredible. 82. Then they skip 83, but 84, 85, 86. They don't <laughs> they don't stop to take a breath. They're, no. It's so funny to to listen to the Crystal Lake memories because mm-hmm. every single sequel talks about how they thought this was the end. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, and no. Everyone left. Everyone left each movie thinking they were thinking done. they had they they had finished it, and they even would have cakes that say "Happy Death Day, Jason." <laughs> right. And, and I just love the idea that rapidly, because they they're coming out in such rapid succession, year after year after year, mm. that it must have been just weeks after one finishes that somebody somebody in the room said, "Ah, fuck it, let's make another one." Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, they 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 were sort of financially foolproof as well. It seems mm-hmm. like even even the the movies that the people didn't didn't particularly enjoy uh, did very well in terms of their box office. So that's right. Yeah, and I'll say this for the movies we're about to talk about, we we talk a lot about the law of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. That's not true for this no. series. Right. These yeah. movies make money, and there's also and another... the critic and the critic proof as well because totally, yeah, they, people they, didn't they give got a some shit. Lousy, re- lousy reviews. Terrible reviews. Gene mm. Siskel just eviscerated. I think it was the first movie. It's, that's one of my favorite as 
favorite aspects about the Crystal Lake's memory documentary is uh-huh. when they cut when they cut to footage of, of Siskel and Ebert reviewing one of the movies, and as soon as you see Roger Ebert's flailing arms, you know it's not good news. <laughs> Once those arms start to flail, you know he's talking about a 1980s slasher. Right. And there was a bigger, you know, I think there's a bigger narrative for this series in general in regards to critics because it was a particular time for for slasher films. This series really got the short end of the stick critically. In so many ways. Well, in terms of censorship as well. And that's what I was going to speak to. The, yeah. You know, this, this is the series that everybody would point to about how shitty Hollywood is and what it's doing to children and uh, the, you know... How we're corrupting uh, teenagers in this this time, and they're all becoming mm-hmm. Satan worshippers. It uh, it all relates back to Jason and this series. And when you watch yeah. the behind the scenes stuff, you even say you like they were fairly cognizant of that, and they'd said, "Yeah, we're gonna do this, but we'll just try to end it. We'll be good." <laughs> we'll you know when they were talking yeah. about making part four, they were like, "Okay, we hear you. We'll just kill him and we'll be done with it." Yeah. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the movies go on. But so there's this other but there's this other interesting narrative about how shitty these movies are supposed to be. Yeah. And of course, you and I are here to answer. Are they that shitty? No. And and, you know, that the 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 lack of originality kind of cuts both ways because because it feels like a blank canvas sometimes mm-hmm. that that allows for far more experimentation with tone and style and genre than other horror series, which are kind of set in stone early yeah. on. Right. Um, right. So it, so that one of the things that I really admire about this series is, is the way in which it is almost like a collage of other horror franchises. I'll, I'll and go it's one bit, further. And it's, ab- it's ability to change pace from movie to movie. Yeah, is almost again like uh, along with the the sense that you know it's the se- the the sequels are the franchise unlike any other horror series and maybe any other film series that that I can think of. Mm-hmm. I I also think you know that that ability to sort of uh, change pace and and switch things up from movie to movie is really really speaks well of of the series and makes it more rewatchable than other horror franchises. Yeah, I agree with that. And the, and I also I want to I want to personally point out that as I watch this series that is kind of famously derided in a lot of ways, I see other horror franchises borrowing. Yeah, I mean they they they, they would de- that's the interesting thing is that and this is where it's great that you have you have the the people behind the movies don't are not pretentious. They don't make any bones about what there is what it is they're doing, mm-hmm. because they they don't pretend that they weren't derivative and plagiarizing other other movies. But they whatever combination of <laughs> of variegatedly derivative horror movies they put together in itself becomes something that is unique and original that then other horror movies imitate yeah so again it cuts it cuts both ways and you know it's they they, their take on the material is as original as any other horror franchise but they're they're not coming at it from 
from the point no, of view yeah, right. of, of trying to be original. They're they're trying to latch on to a um to a craze. Well, like you a, said, the by their own admission. Yeah, yeah. And along the way, they kind of discovered that I think they had something that people that different creatives could kind of map ideas onto that mm-hmm. became something different every time. Yeah. And this is one of the one of the reasons I'm excited to talk about the series is the overlaps and parallels to another film series that we've done um, in fairly recent memory, which is the Star Trek original movie series mm. or Star Trek original series movies. Yeah, is that the, the I mean, they're both Paramount productions. They have uh even number sequels that are uh, more highly regarded than the odd numbers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like the Star Trek original series movies, they're, the, they, the tone of the movies is kind of reinvented on the fly. Yeah. From movie to movie. Every, every movie is kind of a different proposition. And one is either kind of a, almost kind of a mirror of the other in the sense that you've got a, a TV series that was then successfully adapted into a movie series, and Friday the 13th is the opposite. It's a right, movie they got, series they got a became, series out of it. Yeah. They got a TV series out of it. So, um, Can we briefly also talk about what else this particular series has spawned? Did you notice that this particular series has, I don't know, probably at least close to two dozen fan films that have been made? Arguably, one of them is made in in the run that we're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> I would class one of one of them one of the two to six as a fan film. Very. Okay. <laughs> no, I I didn't know that actually. I hadn't looked into that. It, it doesn't. What's interesting is that you doesn't fi- surprise me. As as mm. you if you know if you you know I'm watching the movies. I'm kind of looking at. The actors, while I'm watching it, kind of, hey, well, what's the, is that person still working? I would, I would think to myself, well, that person's quite good. Are they still working or what? Mm. And so I'd look them up and then I'd notice that they're in these, you know, different fan films. And so a lot yeah. of the actors are coming back and then performing right. in those fan well, films. <laughs> the, the the main series doesn't want them back, so they got to go somewhere, right? <laughs> Yeah, they always this, are starting at zero. This, this series is not kind to legacy characters or actors in mm-hmm. terms of uh, return engagements. <laughs> it makes that very very clear from the from the very beginning of the first sequel. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we're here to rank. We have to declare good and bad. Yep. So. As always, first question, how close are these movies? Do you have one that's way at the front? That's really interesting that you asked the question in that way, because that is exactly my dilemma. <laughs> at, one, at one end of my list, there are um, three movies that are essentially interchangeable in terms of mm. where they could go. The other end of the list, a bit more self-evident, I think. But on one end okay. of the list, I there are potentially three movies that could be ranked in any order. At the top. Uh, well, I can tell. I, I was going to save that as a surprise, whether it was the top or the bottom. But I can tell you now, if you want. Yeah, go. 
It's it's the top. All right. There are there there are three movies that I I know I don't think I've ever been on that position on this podcast before. Where mm-hmm. I've had it, I've had it where it's got it's been close margins between two movies, but never three. I feel kind of the same. Like li- literally, literally, th- you know, like third on my list could be first. Right. And I, I wouldn't have to, I, I, I wouldn't have to make any adjustment. I'll tell you this, I, the movie that I, I, as of right now, that, <laughs> that I came. Yeah, you know, I know. They're always. And mine's a game. Game game day decision for right. for the between three and and I mean right. that genuinely it's not like two it's not like it's really close between two and then one is kind of like hanging in the background no all three could yeah. be top when I when mine that I think is sitting at number three right now when I finished watching it I said to myself fuck I think that's my favorite movie yeah well I, <laughs> at the at the end of each of these movies. That I that I that are that are the well I mean they're the top three of my list mm-hmm. in what in what order I'm still grappling with but after every single one I went this is the one to beat <laughs> <laughs> and then in and then what made it worse was rereading my notes yesterday and realizing that the the what the the movie that I was potentially gonna put in third place might be the most sophisticated movie. In you know certainly in this uh, this side of the series, <laughs> and really struggling. Oh with, man, I'm, with... I'm getting I'm getting curious. Really, str- and then you know again we've talked about this before. It always comes down to this when it's close. What do you value more? So that's the thing, and and yeah. I think it's really interesting within this particular series itself because I found myself. Well, look. You, you've got one sequel that feels very cosmically connected to the movie that preceded it. You've got a movie where the icon- <laughs> I like your use. I like your use of the word cosmically because uh, <laughs> you can't say narratively or right. yeah. uh, dramatically or yeah, cosmically in in spirit. Yes, it's exactly. The <laughs> in, in 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 spirit, it feels much like the the original movie. But then you have a movie in the middle that gives the the series its biggest iconography. Sure. And then you have a movie that tries to do something completely different. Yeah. And then you've got a movie that, I don't know, maybe I'll save it, but uh, is certainly... Well, you've got, you've got potentially two or three movies that try and do something completely different. Yeah, that's true. In, in, in the space of five movies. It's... <laughs> It's really fun, and yet somehow. But like they all you said, like it's what you all... value the most. Yeah, uh, but in the but they all feel like remakes of the of the other, which is the other kind of weird paradigm of this series. Right, because like, they'll never yeah. leave Crystal Lake. And it's interesting when you think about <laughs> who do we get the characters? Ginny, right? The the final girl. Uh, in number what, part in five, number two. Uh, in number two, yeah, yes, that is Ginny, yes. So it's Ginny, and the the proposed sequel was going to be Ginny in the hospital and Jason comes after her. And it's interesting yeah. that they chose to Which again say, is Halloween 2. Like, exactly, do. yeah, <laughs> you know. And they eventually do make that movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
they're gonna get around to it eventually. They're, yeah, at some point. Anyway, it, yeah, it's it's it's. I find I find that that that's what makes this series so compelling to me is its contradictions. Yeah, and there are plenty on top of, those. of it. Wait, well, let me ask you: Have you seen? Had you uh, seen all these movies? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what's funny? I hadn't. You hadn't seen all of them or any of them? I hadn't seen one of them. Which one? Six. No way! Yeah. That, and, as a, as a, and as I a was James, sure. As a James Bond fan, that offends me. <laughs> I can't wait to get to that note. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine the first time I saw that, what that did to my brain? Oh my god. It's, it's written in capital letters on my fucking notes, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, I, what's great when you get to the Crystal Lake when you you get to the Crystal Lake Memories version of that, people are jumping over each other to claim credit for that one. That one that's funny. bit of editing, and I love it. I and it's like I would be the same if I worked on that movie. I'd oh, I'd want all some, the credit. I'd invent some reason as to why that was my masterstroke. <laughs> <laughs> but no one really knows who actually did it. That's the other. Well, it's it's funny because I. I, I Mandela affected something for myself because, you know, five and six basically start exactly the same way. But I also knew that I knew that six borrowed what five had done. And so. But the funny part is, is like, I still thought I'd seen it. So I knew that part. And if somebody asked me yeah. what six was about. I'd say, I don't know. I don't remember that one. very well. But it also it also doesn't help that the. That... Part five starts out as the movie that part six will become, but the rest of part right. five is not that movie. Yeah, right. So again, they'll get they'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> if we, it's the monkey typewriter conundrum, isn't it? If we right. make enough Friday the Thirteenth movies, eventually all these potential mini movies that 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 are contained within the films themselves will eventually happen. Well, do you have anything else to say before we? I don't think so. I think I've give I've given away quite a lot. All right. So uh, I'm uh, yeah I'm happy to I'm ready to rank. I mean I, I'm still in my mind I'm still tallying. Would you like me to go first? Yeah yeah sure. Well, let me tell you, friend. <laughs> the movie at the top of my list was my biggest surprise because it's the one I thought was going to be at the bottom of my list. Because oh, I I had an idea about this movie and what it was, and it turns out I was wrong because I had not seen the movie. <gasps> Friday the 13th, part six, top of my list. I fucking unabashedly love this movie. Yeah, there's no... Uh, again, I have no comeback for that. <laughs> e- except to say that... Good. Except... To, you, <laughs> No comeback, no notes. You're unquestionably right. Except? However, <laughs> this is this is what pains me. And this this is the move. This is the movie that I think is the most sophisticated movie in the series. I do too. Yeah. And that's it's, that was it, that's why it was such a pleasure for me. It is. To see the levels it's playing on, to see what the director cares about, knows, and loves. 
And I think that movie is brilliantly shot and edited. I love it. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'm going to, I think I've decided. So <laughs> great. I'm really glad you did that. And in a sense, it takes the heat off me. So I can just acknowledge that that could have easily been. The it's first. one of your three. <laughs> it's definitely one of my three. Okay. But in the end, I'm going to go, the top of my list is the movie that, to borrow a phrase from the end of Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, <laughs> is the most human. <laughs> and it's it's a, mo a movie that I feel takes the kind of paint-by-numbers Friday the 13th formula and makes it feel quirky and unusual and authentic and awkward in a way I didn't really think was was possible with the slasher genre. And that's Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much in, so much in that movie. And this is why I think I knew I was going to put it at the top of my list. There's so many cinematic lightning in a bottle moments. I agree. And I'll let so, the cat out of the bag. It's at number two for me. Yeah. It, but it's, as I said before, number three, mm -hmm. I thought might be number one when I finished watching it. But sure. But like okay. you said, I, I there there are things going on in four in the final chapter that I just find myself gravitating to in. Uh, and it's you know, it that's the movie I remember the most in my memory. That's the movie that I remember hearing the most about when I was a kid. It was the movie where other kids were saying, you're not going to believe what happens. He's just, you know, he's got the, the, the machete. He's just over him and he's hitting him and hitting him and he's yelling, die, 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 die. And there is no other film in the franchise, maybe not even the first one, I remember being in the collective memory of everybody around me at that time. Yeah. Which I think says something for the film itself. It's it's so memorable compared to the uh, compared to the other movies. Yes, right. It as I say it has those lightning you know we'll talk about we'll break them down individually but there are lightning in a bottle moments a plenty. It's just it's the least obvious use of the formula. Right. And it kind of, na and outside of the horror genre, it nails a style of movie that I think is the hardest to get right tonally, which is quirkiness mm -hmm. in a movie. And, the, and, and it, this movie, <laughs> and it's the least likely place to find it, right? Well, and that's what I was going to say about, <laughs> that's one of the reasons six is at the top of my list because when I right. when I think of the Friday the Thirteenth series, I don't think about whimsy. No, and that movie's got some whimsy, you know. It it has whimsy, but it's and I and I guess again, what do you value more? The fact, the idea that I, what <laughs> slightly makes this slightly <laughs> not slightly superior. Again, this is just for the purposes of ranking at this point. Right, it's not right. Bad. It's not better. <laughs> It's I'm I'm just you know I'm just according it a place based on my value system, sure. Which is that one you know part six is 
is primarily an ironic movie. Yes. Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter, is is a is um. Well, it's unironic. <laughs> characterized characterized by me for its by its earnesty, but yeah. but it's also but it but it also tonally is quirky. So you get a lot of the same pleasures. Mm-hmm. But the approach, I don't know, the approach, it was more it's totally to me. Yeah, total different approach. That, You're right. They do that without They do that without having to resort to irony. And again, I don't like putting it in those terms because that suggests that... One's lesser. Uh, <laughs> resorted to irony, it absolutely did. And irony is just the way they're playing it. And yeah. they're absolutely right to in that moment with that director, with that writer, mm-hmm. with, the, with that cast. What if you cast a bunch of mime artists? What the fuck else do you think is going to happen? Um, so again, that is literally what literally what it comes down to for me is that right. that minute that minutiae of uh, the the final chapter earned its quirkiness in a in a way that's more organic than. Part six, Jason. Uh, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Ridiculous, which is a ridiculous distinction. But we're dealing with three movies that are <laughs> absolutely on a par with each other in terms of quality. All right. So I'm going to have to do the make those distinctions. Well, then the let me. The format made me do it yeah. once again. <laughs> That's a, this is this is the life we've chosen. If we as we've said before. <laughs> You must, you must rank. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and you know, it, it it tells me a lot about myself as a film goer. That, right, right. That I can, I don't. Again, there's nothing. There's no flaws in final chapter. <laughs> but as an artistic feat, part six is more impressive. Well, thank you. And yet, I know, <laughs> I, I know, but I know in my heart, Friday the. The, the final chapter is a, is a better movie like it's a it, it, it's a better all-round movie so you know but I can't explain it better than I have no I understand completely yeah. and I I hold no ill will <laughs> <laughs> now let me ask you this though mm. we we already know that three of these movies could be your number one we know yeah. my one and two does that mean yeah. that six is at the number two spot or does something else claim it i think something else claims it and this is what kills me fantastic love it well this is where we're gonna find out if we're even of like minds for the top three so i'm interested yeah uh do you want me to go or are you gonna go no you go ahead as, as i inadvertently quoted a jj abrams film then and i feel weird about it um <laughs> He's he's creeping up on you. He's, he did see. He's, he really is. He's, he's becoming more present in your good mind. He's whispering. You're in my borrowing ear now, like a like a clone Palpatine. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I my num my number two, I think, uh, upon reflection, mm. is part two. All right. And again, I take I take no pleasure in saying that, but he why is, not? He is, well, no, I actually I do take pleasure in I do take pleasure in saying it. I I don't want these other movies to feel like they they've done anything wrong. <laughs> that's my issue. Da- Daddy doesn't love you any less. <laughs> yeah, I know that's exa- it is. It's like picking between children. And uh, but I will say the sole reason why <laughs> both the both the reason why. 
I, I hate having to put it second, but why it has to be at least second, mm-hmm. two words, Steve Miner. Yeah. For me too. This is his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen a better directorial debut ever. That's interesting. In any, his command of the camera is amazing. For a first timer is out of this fucking world. I was genuinely shocked when I when yeah. I learned it was his directorial debut. I thought there is no way this person hasn't had at least one film to establish this right. uh, authority and command. Well, but of he was he at least was around the Friday the Thirteenth universe. Not that that automatically means he's going to be able to. <laughs> it's just like hanging around a porn set. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how I think of it. But I, 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 I'm glad to hear you say that it, number two is there for I, you because number two is my number three that could have been my number one that I thought for sure yeah. when I finished it. I thought I let the cat out of the bag in the sense no. of like, uh, well, because it's the first movie I watched, of course. And at the end of it, I thought there's no way that any other movie is going to go to the top i said this is the one to beat that's it you know (laughs) (laughs) it's like but what you were saying most especially about shot selection he does things like when jenny walks into that into michael myers whatever his shack lair yeah and then that shot of him running towards it in the background some of those, some and of the we focus... know, but she doesn't know, and she's gonna know two seconds later. But yeah, well, some of the focus shifts in that scene, it's like he does better 3D cinema when he doesn't have a 3D camera. I know, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. And the other, like, I'm, like, I'm like you, you're able to make a, a, a 3D movie with a 2D right. setup, and when you actually get the 3D camera, it doesn't work. So it doesn't well. work so it good. Does, yeah, it looks more like a shallow 2D movie. Right. But the other thing I think he does remarkably well in that movie, he toggles. He's able to toggle back and forth between the killer's point of view and the victim's point of view. I have those exact notes, and I'm really glad that you picked that up, too, because I'm not doing research for this movie. I'm not reading around going, this is a masterclass in how to do film voyeurism, but you saw it, I saw it. Yeah, right. It's very sophisticated, mm-hmm. very, very. I guess on a, and again, if you're being com- if being comparative, <laughs> I think Tom McLaughlin's job is like is equal as a director to mm-hmm. Steve Miner. I actually think Tom McLaughlin's screenplay is better than right the screenplay for so, so yeah sure. That again, technically, it should be it should be at the top, but well, and that's really... the thing. That's th- this is the movie that I said is cosmically connected to to the original. It it's yet, ba- it's ex- well, it's yeah, almost say that. in in narrative, it's almost the same exact story, just to plant Jason for the mother. But we have a yeah. same surprise ending. We you know there's a, there's a lot that, despite the fact that they're retreading, he can make it seem brand new. Yeah, he he. Can, yeah, absolutely. It's it, it is. It's, it seems brand new. It's a different movie. Yeah, and and there are some very there are some key reasons why it stands alone. Not just because, as many have commented, it doesn't. It would wouldn't fit into any right. Uh, any yeah. time. Any possible timeline. No. Yeah. There are other, 
there are other there are other reasons I think there's and again a part of that again, I kind of like sort of... I kind of like how the series is unapologetically saying hey don't fucking worry about it <laughs> do, do you know you know what the best part of that is that it catches up with itself and then it jumps forward again <laughs> it keeps it's like fucking wily e. coyote it keeps catching up with the roadrunner <laughs> right. and then the roadrunner gets away yeah um, but again, the, the authenticity versus irony question, I like that this movie f- is done straight down the middle. Mm-hmm. And unironically, um, I think it was a really good choice. Um, again, really the only, again, the, the, really the only reason that it's number two, that it's number two on my list is that some of the, the, um, the the iconographic and mythological aspects of the movie because it is the first the first go around with Jason feel mm-hmm. kind of under underbaked okay and half developed that's it yeah but again I can't really hold that against it because because the the original movie it's not their fault that the first it, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're starting from scratch yeah and they're and they're trying things out and most of them you know they're just throwing things at a wall some of them stick and that but what doesn't stick stands out as not sticking. <laughs> perfect. You know, and in, in in a perfect world, I'd never need to bring that up because mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty much redundant to the overall feeling I have about the movie. But if I'm going to rank, then I'm going to have to mention it. Okay. Well, does that so, mean that six is at number three for you? Yeah, yeah, it okay, is. Good. And again, <laughs> only only because only because I I think I think uh, the 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 tonal route that the that two and four take is more to me more worthy than the the irony route. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's literally it. Right. On a technical in a technical level, they're all they're all on a par with each other. And and you know. Props to Joseph Zito. I mean, I'm not totally. I yeah, to, I don't want him to feel left out. Let's not throw him under the bus, because you know, <laughs> you know, un- underappreciated middle child. Absolutely, uh, but the ideas he comes up with, you know, there are things he does at the beginning of that movie that I think are really smart. He talks about it actually on the yeah. on, on the you know talking about keeping Jason dead for a long time. Yes. To the, uh, you know, the idea until the audience is going to say, fucking wake up, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. I, I, I thought that was, I thought that was really smart. And I love that. Well, and bringing so, Tom Savini back, that's a, you know. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and he, again, what I love about the Crystal Lake Memories documentary is that, that uh, there doesn't seem to be a great deal of ego amongst any of them. And, no, and you're he, right. He, he cops to the fact that, that, you know, he came in halfway through production. He replaced the original makeup artist and that, and that the, right. you know, the, the Jason um, prosthetic that he got credit for was half built by the time he got there. And mm-hmm. uh, that's it. And Savini was like, they did great work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the idea. Uh, I forget the name of the stuntman who was playing Jason. Mm-hmm. But, there, you know, there was that shot, uh, uh, the raft death. Yes. And they talked about how particularly grueling it was. It's midnight. It's like 22 degrees. This poor actress is getting hypothermia. Yeah. But he wanted the shot. And it was the guy that played Jason who's, you know, this guy used to work with like John Wayne who said, mm-hmm. get her out of the fucking boat. 
And he's like, hey, how about I direct and you fucking be Jason? And he's like, well, get her out of the boat or I quit. (laughs) And but when they talk about it, they talk about it, like you said, with no without a lot of ego. He he's right. he's not blaming the director. He's saying he wanted no. the shot, and I get it. But did he go a little too far? And in, in terms of uh, you know yeah. taking care of an actor, yeah, I think so. So I spoke up. Yeah, it's it's amazing how cause I, I I recently finished watching In Search of Darkness three, which is the completion of the of the eighties horror documentary trilogy, and it, it's it's amazing how low the bar is set on horror movie directors. Right. You know, it's like how how often people <laughs> comment that he's not an asshole. Yeah, like, yeah, right, you, you right. shouldn't be in real life. You shouldn't be. Yeah, but like that's worthy of comment on a horror movie. Set. Yeah, right. <laughs> big big notes for Steve Miner in that area. Like you know, absolutely, what a non asshole he was, and it yeah, it shows. You're right, just doing his job, getting getting on with it. Mm-hmm. It's. It's phenomenal, phenomenal work from from all three. That they they are, and what I also find interesting is, we taught when we did the Star Trek original series movies about the sort of uh, the popular myth of the even number sequels. Are, yeah, right. Are good. The odd numbers are bad. Whereas this is the series where I would accept that more readily. <laughs> right. <laughs> And yet nobody talks. I've I've heard it on you know with Gawley and Rust as an aside when they covered the Friday movies, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's not like everyone goes around going, hey, you know the thing about the Friday the Thirteenth movies, every even numbered sequel is good, but the other ones suck. <laughs> it's like no no one no one says that, and it's not it's not entirely true. It's still somewhat of a myth, as we are, I will talk about now. Yeah. <laughs> As a segue into us talking about the other two movies in this series, well, we, in this we part of the series, yeah. We, so it, it it appears that we we're of like minds, but we I think we're we're different on on one, two, and yeah. three, correct? But your list could be my list on easily any other day. Yeah. All right, and then that just leaves the last two movies, and this this is really this is tough stuff for me. Really. I think so. It's a lot. It's it's pretty clear for me. There are things I value in both movies. Uh, that I agree with, but it's still clear which one is better for me. Okay, which, which one's one better? Sh- uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Okay. Now in three D and disco. Oh, so good. Not the official subtitle, but I, I feel that's what I feel like. I feel like gives a better description of the movie than than simply saying part three. And so this is so the reason why it's not in the top three. So I, this is the movie in the series where to me the formula coagulates into something substantial. Mm-hmm. But that's a curse and a blessing because it's. Very paint by numbers. I think you talked about that. On we the did, yeah. It, it, it that it's, movie it's like a, feels it's like a textbook. Slasher. It feels like a textbook slasher. Yes. And the and not not in a, not in a good way. Not like in you can learn how to make a slasher. It's just right. like there's not there's not enough here for a movie kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's very paint by numbers. So that's both. But it's a at least competent, which counts for a lot. Mm-hmm. Not un, under. It's still Steve Miner. It's still Steve Miner, but. I think, you know, the the misstep is they put way too much energy and effort into making a 3D movie and that yes. simply doesn't read in a 2 when you're watching it as a 2D movie. And that's so 
And even within the 3D, even though you're watching it in 2D, there are things that make me think, man, I fucking wish I was watching this in 3D. And I hate 3D. But, <laughs> but, but I'm but all, the, but, I'm all yeah. for watching uh, the snake jump out of the cage. Yeah. I would be all for uh, the axe in Jason's head with his hands reaching out. Those are things I, I would, I think, I'd enjoy seeing in 3D. I don't need to see yo-yos. I don't need to see fruit, wallets being thrown. These are the I mean, things at, where... At some point, it's the cinematic equivalent of having things, like, uh, being poked in the face. Right? Yeah, That's right. The, 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 like, the wash, the washing... Two, two washing line poles, by the way. Yes, uh, right. Not one, but two. Um, so, I think... And it's, and it's not like they're the only poles. They're, they're, you know, they're, no. There's like a half a dozen poles attached to right. pitchforks, attached to, you know, right. shovels. And if you can get like an, you get anything to go along a pl- like a mm-hmm. some kind of a pole that that's that works too. Yeah, so pole with a rat on the end of it. So I just have you know I have mixed feelings about it, but to me it, it it's it's on the right side of competent in a way that deserves credit. It's just a shame that that the the movie feels so empty because so much of it is given over to a to a kind of pointless purpose really if you're not watching it in 3D. And so that's the thing is for me I was having a hard time wrestling a movie that I think is a little is better made, not a little, is better made. This one. This one, 3. Yeah, but but yes. but yes. suffers from this distraction. Very distracting, yeah. Literally, the definition of distraction is like get that fucking thing out, out of, of my face, face so please. I can see the movie. Yes. <laughs> and then the funny part is, you know what I, you know what kind of turned me around on it was even one of the actors. Uh, yes, had said, you know, it haunts this, me. Yeah, this is that... bullshit. This is fucking terrible. And he's saying it to the producer and Steve Miner. And Steve Miner <laughs> said, no, this is a Friday the 13th movie and it's in 3D and it's going to make money. <laughs> and then, yeah. of course, he was right. I there was I remember there was a talking head from one of the actors in that documentary that we basically, it, it haunts me to this very day. <laughs> he said, he says, he says, you know, you should have seen it in 3D. Yeah. But. Is, but then you know, and this isn't like a somewhat official documentary, sanctioned documentary. It's like, but it it just doesn't really work in two D. Yeah, and that kind of like that covers all my feelings about it. Is 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 that uh, it's a it's potentially a lost masterpiece, but we'll never we'll never be able to gauge that. There was a I read that there was a movie theater. I can't remember Michigan, maybe. Until yeah. like maybe 2017, they'd show it every year in 3D, and then uh, yeah. I I don't I don't remember what happened at some point, but fairly you know, recently it stopped. Again, it, it makes me think of Spinal Tap and the you know the dusting for vomit, the best best left unsolved. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like like the like the extended cut of Superman Four or the you know. The uh, Attack of the Clones IMAX version, that yeah, right. says was was a you know it's sort of like the these are best left as sort of mythic properties. 
<laughs> because maybe it would still be a paint by numbers slasher with some interesting effects. I just like yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny is that in terms of ranking, I had to. I had I had to weigh what doesn't work within the 3D, especially when watching it in 2D, then compensating for that and saying, well, as originally intended in 3D. Right, is but it that's more not the film you're watching. Or yeah. less. But but that's where you, you that's where your um I think your disdain, if I'm not using too strong a word, for 3D cinema, which I echo, yeah, right. comes into play because that's not the same as a film. Right. There's a very select num- type of film that can be made in 3D mm-hmm. and stand up to the scrutiny that we would we would give a normal film. Mm-hmm. IMAX is the And same. also, I have to give this movie credit because it ushered in a new era of 3D. Jaws well, three right. the next the very next year. I mean, there were a bunch of movies that came out. Well, and this was yeah. like the first in this era. Not quite the first. Not not quite the first. There was new cameras before. though. It started new this cameras. Is, this yeah. is the first but time without the red 81. and blue. This started in eighty. It was eighty one to eighty three. So again, they're like they're they're right in the wave. Um, but again, they sort of made one of the better. Yeah versions of the idea but anyway what i had to do was juxtapose that against one of the most interesting things i think this series does in part five a new beginning yeah which is to take the formula and then kind of turn it into an angela lansbury murder she wrote episode which of course is a callback looping back to the original movie which was also a whodunit right exactly so that is the aspect that is the aspect of of friday the 13th part Part five five a new beginning that i and they tell um, you right in the title that i really appreciate i'm not sure it's even particularly successful in that mission no i don't think so but i think it's a big swing to it have is. Oh, it's the biggest fucking swing to have n- to have not no Jason. Jason Voorhees in your movie. Yeah, it's again, it's like it's like let's go back to the original. And no, number no five, Jason. I might add, number five. Yeah, let's, let's go back to the original. No Jason Voorhees except in dream sequences. Right. So who done it? Yeah. So I, I, there are things I value about the movie, and the who done it aspect I think is really smart. Um, in terms of ranking. The, to give the other side, it's the least legitimate of all these movies. It feels like fan fiction. Yeah. If you'd have told me that this was an unofficial entry to the series, I would have said I would have. I wouldn't have had a problem with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I get what you're saying. It doesn't reach, it's, doesn't re- reach the technical heights of any no, of the other. movies. that's the thing. So at the end of the day. Like, I'll take three over five based solely on that first crane shot of the yeah. general store that goes into the backyard with the the laundry hanging. Although they both, they are, they're, they're proximate in the sense that they both have the same tonal problems, I think, three and five, that they're, they're, le- they're leaning into broad comedy mm-hmm. in ways that don't work for the series. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And it and it takes you know it takes uh, a Tom McLaughlin to come in and right 
sort of redress that balance and say, look, no, if you do it properly, if you do it with purpose and intent and intelligence, comedy can work. But yeah. Not the way, not the way you've been doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. That's why. That's why. So, but I'd be interested when we do talk about the movie to talk about some of the. Um, some of the pluses as well as the yeah. uh, minuses. I just really respected the big swing. and Yeah. But I couldn't, if at it, the end of the day, I If it had I, been I executed better, it could have been one of the best mo- movies in the series. Mm. But it's the wrong choice at the wrong time, mm-hmm. I feel. Okay, yeah. And that is the mirror, you know, that is the mirror universe to part six. That's another tick in the column of yeah part six is yeah that right it, it it knew exactly what the series needed, needed at that time at that time and 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 delivered in more than spades i'll say whatever whatever one up with one up from spades is well now i'll save it till we get there but i mean the one thing i just you know the reason it's at the top of my list it's it's difficult i think to make the conscious decision to go more comedic in a movie and in a franchise when you're at number six already and yet still keep your movie suspenseful and scary. And not, you know, the comedy is there, but it's not wink, wink, and it's not shuck, shuck. Like, you know, no, it's it's just pitched at exactly the yeah. right tone. I'm doing it a disservice by... by just talking about the irony of it because one of the again what what made it really hard to put this as number three on my list mm-hmm. was that there is there's a lot of heart in this movie yeah and one of the one of the the most pleasant surprises of the series of, of kind of any horror movie i've ever seen that they managed to factor in a redemption arc for tommy jarvis yeah and a love story Mm-hmm. And a happy ending, and children. I know. There's finally children. None at the of camp. that is, and none of that is treated ironically or in a detached way. Right. So I'm doing a disservice by dwelling on on the ironic aspects of of um, of you know of the movie, and it doesn't even matter because it's what we talk about all the time. It's like if if the movie tells you what it is and sticks to it, it's inherently a good movie yeah and this movie comes out of the cemetery gate uh uh you know a a supernatural right horror comedy and so even if it just did that it would be a success it would be yeah right (laughs) but it does far more than that it does way more than that yeah but it starts with horshack getting a fist through his chest horshack yeah (laughs) gotta like that that's it, and then they get brings in another one of your uh, um, classic sitcom references. Yes. <laughs> oh, the Welcome Home Carter is uh, probably come better on. People know them. it. Yeah. People know better than Give Me a Break or. How dare Angel. you? <laughs> people, people. I consider. No, give me a break. A, I consider myself a scholar of that era of American television. The first time you said that, I was like, "That's not real." What is Give Me a Break? <laughs> Is that like some kind of pool-based game show? <laughs> oh. Uh, well, the bottom of our lists match, then. I got to give I it a saying, three over five. Yeah, I think that's... I think... I, I like your, I like that you're not... Again, going back to Star Trek, it's like... It's like 
Star Trek Five is the worst. Is the is the is the worst of the movies, but that doesn't mean it's about. It doesn't mean it's a. Yeah. Right. Uh, doesn't mean it doesn't have a lot to recommend it. And yeah. I think the same is true of New Beginning. All right. Good. As ba- and again, as baffling as some of his choices are, just like the final. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let's talk good, bad. Yeah. Now, Okay. I think we could just cut to the chase. We can. On the first three on both of yeah. our lists, can't we? Yeah. Yeah, okay. all, three, all three are great movies. All right. I'm, I'm glad you just used the word great. I, there's no reason not to, right? Now that we're out of the ranking dilemma, there's right. it's like why why pretend that I <laughs> that, that, that any one of these movies, any one of these three movies is better than the other, but just different. But this is the thing that I really love about this particular series. We talked about how this in popular culture, this series was kind of derided, and I well, whatever it was you know under under the rules of Gene Siskel it was considered low art uh, if <laughs> art the, at all under the draconian re- regime of Gene of Siskel. Gene Siskel exactly and <laughs> I don't think in popular culture these movies are considered to be even good much less great and I was I was so happy to watch these movies and 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 be able to think to myself these movies are fucking great. I mean, it, it it is in niche circles. Like, I mean, it, it was it the most recent Scream movie where they they list the best horror sequels, and I think at least one of these movies, probably part two, is is there. Um, and I think there's a growing mm-hmm. acknowledgement again amongst, but it, but it's the problem with horror as well, isn't it? Right. Horror has a low reputation. Sequels have an even lower reputation. Sure. So you put those two together. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, it's a hard and, hill to you climb. Know, a, then the people, it's just people are shitting on it from all different angles. Sure. But I think if you know, if you know sequels and you know horror movies, you know that these are remarkable artworks. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the how how often in in any series that we've done has. Has the has a set of sequels transcended the original in this way? We've not seen many series that do that. No, yeah, you're right. And again, Star Trek might be another one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's rare, and and uh, and for horror sequels, again, going into that lore of diminishing returns. But I mean. We've we've got Patreon episodes to cover, so I'll, I won't say you know that they get <laughs> that they get better, but potentially they do, and they certainly they certainly don't get worse mm-hmm. for um than the original for quite for quite a way into the series. I mean, I mean, how often have we talked about the laws of diminishing returns? Either, I mean, critically, each, se- each sequel is building on the other, yeah, in inter- interesting ways, even if it's unsuccessful, like New Beginning. Yeah, it's right. Still they, building it's on still, the, the last film in an original way. An I, interesting. It's thing. still a choice you can't deny. Right. I mean, we already talked about it. It's a big swing. It's an interesting yeah. choice. To, to the degree it works or doesn't work, you can argue that. But I don't yeah. think you can argue they took risks in this series. Which well, is funny because yeah. the risks they took were within such a formula. Yeah. You know? 
but that, that's the that's the amazing thing of, of you know when going back to the beginning of this episode tom mclaughlin he made part six starting with what was left mm-hmm. and it's like what well, haven't we done well we haven't done gothic horror yeah we haven't made this a super he has it you know we've not just we we haven't firmly said that this is supernatural right uh we haven't said what what jason what jc we haven't established any gen- ground rules for jason so he just did he just added to, and i think the other directors and writers are working on the same principle but not able to articulate but not it yeah well. they're not able to say or it indeed directly execute or ex- it as yeah well right as, yeah execute as well as tom mclaughlin did um, because you know when he's interviewed, he can he can he's very erudite. He can explain all these things. Sure. Um, but you know if if you asked, I, I've I've forgotten the name of the guy, the sleazy guy who directed New Beginning, um, but he probably wouldn't be able to account for the the innovation of what he did. I don't think I mean, so. Maybe, maybe that's a patronizing thing to say, but Danny suspect, Steinman. Danny Steinman, there you go. I don't suspect Danny Steinman would be able to articulate that, but in a sense, he's doing exactly the same as Tom McLaughlin did. Well, don't he be just... too big an asshole. Danny Steinman had a bad bicycle accident shortly after that film, and it kept him from directing movies at you all. You know that wasn't what I was talking about. It was. <laughs> I wasn't saying that he couldn't, that he, because of brain damage. I was saying because he comes from the world of exploitation and porn, which is a different kind of prejudice. I'll have you know. Very good, then. <laughs> all right. Well, so if we're both uh, going to say that two, four, and six, the even-numbered ones, are in fact good films... Yeah. That leaves us three and five. It does. And uh, where where do you sit on number three? Right on the line. It's it's the biggest I'm fence the, post like out the, of all of them, isn't yeah. it? It's like the LB, you know, the LBJ jeans that he describes in his famous phone call to his tailor. You know, <laughs> it's like a it's like riding a barbed wire fence. Yeah, these jeans. <laughs> you know what tailor, I think? Right, right up in my bunghole. Uh, <laughs> You know what I think? Uh, Those are actual quotes from Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> I know. By I the understand. Way. I'm not, I'm I know not, you're not making it up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what he I uses the word bunghole in a in a call rec- made in from the White House phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh LBJ. Oh uh, yeah. We could use some more LBJs. Uh, I don't think we're too far away from. In some in some respects, what we have now. You're right. Hap, in terms of haphazard uh, yeah. personal decisions. Oh well, I you know what I think is the tiebreaker for me on number three because I've watched number three a few times now, and the yeah. first time I watched it, <laughs> I think I kind of dismissed it, but I think it had more to do with the 3D thing we were talking about. Right. And then I watched it for Project 1982, and even hearing friend of the show Matt Aldrich say, "Yeah, I, you know, I don't know that he called it good, but I, you know, he didn't dismiss yeah. it That's outright." That's not my recollection, no. He, but yeah, but he, he didn't did, dismiss it. He, he wasn't said, dismissing yeah. this movie outright. You know, no, we talked no. about how it was a paint-by-numbers kind of film, mm-hmm. and I agree with that. But on those terms, I think it works, and I think it works well enough to barely. Yeah. Call it good. And is that what you were indeed doing? Yeah, I'm gonna. 
Yeah, that is what I am indeed doing. Okay. I can give it the benefit of the doubt. It does enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yet, you know, you've got, you've got, you've got the hockey mask. And I, that's the other thing is I can't discount that. No, you can't discount the hockey mask, and you can't discount the, again, the kind of coagulation of the formula into something that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that for the first time feels concrete. And propels the series forward. Yeah, and propels the series forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's enough, I think. Let's right. call it a good movie. And so that leaves us. <laughs> that leaves us with, with is, is, a, fa- a famously derided movie yeah. that but we clearly do not feel derided as much as other people do. But are we going to call it a good? Movie but is it a, movie? is it a big enough swing to call it a good movie? I don't think so. No. Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, I I feel bad saying it though. I do too. Yeah. Uh, I'm not willing. I'm not willing to final frontier it. <laughs> Where we were both like, just, I think it's good. I, I, I don't know what. I think it's good. I was and, thinking and about this. I was about... thinking about this the other day. There's no like atheist subtext in this movie <laughs> that I can draw on, right. right? You know what I mean? Like. A... <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, is you know, I went into Star Trek Five sure i would call it a bad movie and yeah that, exactly and that didn't happen and i i've never discount i've never discounted this movie i've always respected uh what it what it tried to do mm-hmm. i think in the end it, it, it is a lot more about execution than than ideas i don't think i don't think the it feels a little clumsy it is yeah, yeah. i don't think i think they're um i think they've got the right instincts to play it the way they did, I just think that that they uh, they they fumble it a little bit. Okay. And especially, I guess, in the end, like the if you're gonna <laughs> if you're sort of your selling point, your USP is that you're a who done it. Mm-hmm. It has to be a who done it where you you remember who you remember who the murderer is <laughs> <laughs> from earlier in the film. I think that's sort of one oh one murder so, mystery, isn't it? You know <laughs> what's you know what's the funniest part about that is that there are there are gonna be moments in that movie in which you're gonna see <laughs> spoiler alert everyone, you're going to see the ambulance driver get about four seconds yeah. Too long of a screen time yeah. of an extra look in the background, and you're gonna think. But it's the kind of movie that would do that with no agenda. Exactly. <laughs> you don't. You don't think. You don't think it's there to help you f- figure out the murder mystery. Well, that's the, you, you just think that there's a director that's like yeah. fucking his shit up. You're just like I, so, ju- I just you know I just watched an autistic fat kid get you know axed in the back. Right. Well, this is not. This doesn't seem strange to me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No. I. So. I, I, but. Um. You know. Always. I'm happy to to consider it, but. Um. Yeah, I, the more I think about it, the the less I, th- the less I think that <laughs> the conceit of the movie is the problem. No, yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah, which is the received wisdom about it—that it was a misstep. I I disagree with it that was a, part. It but... was a misstep that definitely could have worked if handled better. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you have it. Yeah. We've ranked. We've declared. We have. Now it's time to get down to business. 
Yeah, this is the 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 fun part where we just get to talk. Oh, very excited. Yeah, where I don't have to, you know, worry about <laughs> offending any of my children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you just you just wait. Number six. Well, we'll be yeah. with you in a moment. You'll have your time. You'll have your time. You know, once the other two kids have moved moved out. How great is it we get to you can, finish with you can six? Have their, you can have their room. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> we can paint it whatever color we'll you it. want. You're, it's like in a couple of years, you're going to get a room all by yourself. Okay. <laughs> Just for now, you have to sleep in a bunk bed underneath a very smelly adolescent. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Anything left bef- uh, before we go for you? No, no. All right. Let's, uh, let's um. Let's get to the business. All right. Let's let's effectively start this series. <laughs> <laughs> because everything that ca- everything that came before was just an origin story. Yeah, exactly. Or at least that's what these films tell us. It was. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're gonna have to tell us what you think about this series. How do you rank? Are they good? Are they bad? Find us on Facebook, Instagram, fuck you, to <laughs> the man from Tesla. That's to, that's to Elon Musk, by the way, not fuck you for anyone who doesn't agree with us. <laughs> uh, send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. So, what were you going to be when you grow up? Fucking love that line. <laughs> Fucking love that line. Just a reminder, there are actual children. <laughs> Amazing. In Friday the, Friday the 13th, part 6, Jason Lift. Talk about big swings. Could you there imagine no that... bigger swing than putting <laughs> children in danger? Worth of children in a horror film. Amazing. I love the fact that, you know, Tom, Tom McLaughlin's kind of gone through, as we said, he's gone through all the options of what's left, what the series hasn't done yet. Right. And I guess, I imagine that children at the bottom of his list hasn't just done that yet. Having actual children at the summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to just wait, just wait, just wait for now, number six. We'll get to you. We'll talk all well, about it. Yeah. You'll have, yeah, that's it. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. When you hear us next time, we got to talk Steve Miner. We got to talk Friday the 13th, part two. Until then. He's a major, not a minor. (laughs) In my books. Agreed. to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. 
And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beer. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer.